Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. Today we are concluding our God and Country series because Tuesday the election will happen and it will all be over and everybody said? Amen, Amen right? But you know that's not true. It's not going to be over. To, but part of it will be over, but not all of it. And so kind of, and I want to kind of back up a little bit because I want us just to know that really the, the reason this series is so crucial, and I, and I, and I appreciate most, many of you guys' patience with me because some of you are like, well, that's the last thing I came to church for is hear about politics. And what you've discovered over three weeks, we've talked almost nothing about politics, haven't we? Not, almost none of it, except that they're all crazy. That's basically all we've said, right? But the reason this series is so important is for those of us that are believers in the room, that are caught up in the society with which we live in, that we really need a biblical perspective on what's going on. We really do. We need to be able to look at the environments and the things that are going on in our country, in our nation, and in our world, and have a biblical perspective of what's happening and what's going on. And I don't know about you, but for me, as, as I prepared all this many, many weeks ago, and even after the first week, I, I need to be reminded that, I, that we have hope. I do. Because I've watched the debates, I've watched all the primaries, I watched the presidential debates, I watched the VP debate, I watched Fox News, CNN, I mean, I watch all that. And when you conclude watching that, there's a part of you going, we have no hope. And so I needed to know that we do have hope. And our hope is that we serve a God who reigns, a God who's in control, and a God who's not caught off guard, but a God who's on his throne, he's reigning, and he is ruling, meaning he's actively involving himself in history to carry out his plans. Amen? Amen? And I don't know about you, but I needed to know that. And I needed to be reminded that the problem of our country isn't political. It is spiritual. It is a sin problem. And we all know this, there's only one answer for the problem of sin, and his name is Jesus. And I needed to be reminded that we have hope but I also need to be reminded that I have a role. That for me, it's really easy to watch the television or to watch the debates and to kind of sit in my easy chair and go, well, I would do it this way, or I think it'll be done this way, or I can't believe they said this, I can't believe they did that. And I was reminded in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen that if I want God to do something in my country, if I want God to do something in my home, if I want God to do something in my church, if I want God to do something in my life, it begins with me. Not the politicians, not parties, not policies. It begins with me. And you remember what God told him to tell the people of Israel? That if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, and pray, and turn from their wicked ways, then they're going to hear from heaven. And then I'm going to forgive them of their sins, and then I'm going to heal their land. And that's what I tell you, as a believer, I need to be reminded that if I want to see God do something great in our country, it starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with us. And I need to be reminded not only that I have a role in this mess, but I have a responsibility in this mess. The last week we talked about it in Jeremiah, that I have a responsibility. I am a Christian American, and in that order. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ who has the blessing and opportunity to live in this great nation. And I have a responsibility, and my responsibility is to not be in this world, but to be in it, but not to be of it. Not to be so indoctrinated with the philosophies, but to be in it. To thrive in the culture, environment that I live in. But also my responsibility is to be for it, not to be against it. 
that God told Jeremiah to tell Israel something very, very powerful. He said, tell them to seek the welfare of their land, to seek the welfare of their country. And if you were here last week, here's what we said, that seeking the welfare of our country is two things. First of all, we have a way to do that. One way is by voting. That's our way. That is our voice, and our voice matters. And second of all, Jeremiah says, the way you seek the welfare is you pray. I don't know about you, but hasn't prayer become that thing that kind of keeps creeping its little head up all throughout this series? That God wants his people crying out before his throne? And I don't know about you, but I, I, I over the last several weeks, I needed this. I need to be reminded, I, we have hope. I have a role, and I have a responsibility, and so do you. Now, last question today I want us to think about is this. Come Wednesday, hopefully, the election will be over. How many remember when George W. Bush and Al Gore, it lasted way into the next day? Yeah, that was painful, right? That was just sheer painful, the hanging chad, what were they thinking, right? I mean, that was just a painful time. So hopefully Wednesday morning when you get up, it's all going to be done in that regard. But here's the question I want you to think about with me. What should our attitude as believers be after the vote? What should they be? Now, some of you are going to go, oh, my attitude is going to be, it depends on who wins, but we're hopeless. No, we're not, because remember, we talked about three weeks ago, we have hope, right? Well, some of you say, no, 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 I'll just be in despair. I'll just be so distraught. No, 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 you don't have time to be distraught because we learned two weeks ago, you have a role. So don't neglect that role. Well, Doug, I'm not going to be in despair. I'm not going to be hopeless. I'm just going to give up. I'm throwing the talent. No, 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 you can't do that because remember last week we talked about we have a responsibility. And I know some of you, and I said it last week, and I hope you heard me clearly. Some of you said, yeah, you say I have a right to vote, but I also have a right not to vote. And we said this very clearly last week, that anytime we elevate our rights over our God-given responsibilities, that's called sin. And you have a God-given responsibility. So vote, right? And so, you know, you say, Doug, I, 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 what should my attitude be? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter's going to tell us the attitude that we should have Come Wednesday. What's the attitude we should have after the vote? First Peter chapter 2. I want to read verse 13 through 17. And I'm just going to ask you today, just for something different. Would you just stand with me in, in honor of reading God's word? Chapter 2 verse 13 says this. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or the governor as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Let us people live as people who are free, not using your freedom as to cover up evil, but living as servants of God. Listen to this. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And honor the emperor. Would you pray with me? Father God, I love you and I thank you for this text. And this is going to be so rich for us today. And I pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive what you have for us in this passage. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, what should our attitude be after the vote? And, and Peter says it very clearly. Look with me in verse 13 to 14. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor, supreme, or the governor, those that are sent by him. First two words, he says, be subject. Now that word in the Greek translates, submit yourself. That's really the translation there. So what Peter is telling us, here's the attitude we should have after the vote. We should have an attitude where we submit ourselves. 
That's what it means to be subject, to submit ourselves. Now, let me tell you a little quickly about the word submit. The word submit is a military term, and it means to put ourselves back in line or to place ourselves under someone of authority. That's what it means. So if you tell someone to submit, you're saying get back in line or place yourself under my leadership. So what is our attitude? What should it be come Wednesday after the vote? Even if your candidate does not win, to submit ourselves. And I know some of you real quick want to push back against that. Go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, I'll submit, but, but there's some things that are exemptions to that submission, right? There's some things that if they tell me to do and they tell me to say and tell me I've got to do, then I don't have to submit because what they're telling me is in direct violation of God's word. Well, let me say a couple things about that. First of all, yes, there are exceptions to the rule. Yes, there are. I mean, if, if you have a boss that tells you to do something that's immoral or lose your job, you don't have to submit to that authority. You just quit your job because you submit to God. Are you with me on that one? There's only two of you. Are you with me on that one? Okay. You know, job's, job's card to come by. I understand. But your supreme loyalty is to Christ first, right? But let me say this. Those of us that are real quick to want to go for the exception to the rule first tells me that quite possibly we don't even really care about what it means to learn what biblical submission is anyway. If my first response is, oh, oh, here's the loophole. Oh, here's the exception. Well, maybe my heart's not in a very good place because I don't really want to understand and learn what true submission is anyway. And I would just submit this to you today, that we need to learn what biblical submission is before we start talking about exceptions to the rule. Here's what biblical submission is. You ready? Biblical submission is voluntarily placing ourselves under the leadership and authority of someone else or something else. Which means we obey those regulations, those rules, and those laws. Which means we respect those in that position. Which means we pray for those in authority over us. In fact, you can write this reference down. 1 Timothy 2.12. He tells them exactly how to pray for those in authority. 1 Timothy 2.2. He tells us how to pray for those in authority over us. So when we say that our job and one of our things that we're to do, our attitude after the vote is that we should submit ourselves, we're saying no matter who fills the Oval Office, that we should have a heart that says, I'm going to submit myself. I'm going to place myself voluntarily under their leadership. I'm going to obey the laws of the land. I'm going to obey the regulations and the rules. And I'm going to honor and respect that person. We'll come back to that later. And I'm going to pray for those and authority over me. Now, if you have a touch of a rebellious spirit, anybody in the room with me have a touch of a rebellion in them? Come on, come on. I don't see some hands. I'll start calling names. I know some of you, right? I'll start pointing out. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think we got most everybody. Okay. A touch of rebellion. There's a part of you going, mm, okay, okay. You, you t no, no, no. You tell me to, to place myself under their leadership, and you're telling me to pray for them. Well, let's think about this way. Let's just say you have an ornery, ungodly boss. Maybe you have one of those people. Right? You've got a boss that is ungodly, that is just honoring, and you have no idea. Listen, if you pray for them, what's the most amazing thing that can happen? God would change their heart. Guess who benefits from a changed heart of a boss? You do. Right? So there's a bit of agenda here. I know that. But listen, if we're going to submit, we've got to commit to obey. We've got to commit to respect that person in that position. And we've got to commit to pray for those in authority over us. 
So really simply, if you say, Doug, hey, what's, what should my attitude be on Wednesday after the vote? Submit. Submit. Now, I love what Peter does. Peter goes on. He didn't just stop there. He tells us why to submit. Look with me in verse 13 again. He says, be subject or submit yourselves for what? The Lord's sake. So why are we submitting? Because we're doing it for the Lord. That when we submit ourselves, we are actually walking in the footsteps of Jesus. If there's a one word, there could be several words, but one word that you could use to describe the life of Jesus, it was submission, right? He submitted to the authority that was over him. For example, I mean, you never saw Jesus. I mean, did Jesus, did he live under ungodly rulers? Yes. In fact, when he was born, there was a guy by the name of Herod who was king that was so so mad, so angry that another king of the Jews had been born, he sent a decree out to kill every baby under the, every boy under the age of two under. That's, that was the decree he said. I mean, talk about ungodly. Well, what about when you come all the way to the time of Jesus? I mean, Caesar, Augustus, you think he was godly? Absolutely not. What about Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor? Was he a godly man? Absolutely not. Jesus lived under ungodly leaders, rulers, and leadership. But Jesus never one time questioned their right to rule. But what he did do was denounce their sin, right? He never said, you shouldn't be ruling Rome. He just called them out on their sin. Jesus never engaged in civil disobedience. Jesus, even when he was wrongly accused, said nothing. Instead, what he did was he focused on the inward change of people's hearts. That's what Jesus focused on. Now, why would he do that? I mean, listen, if there was anybody that could have created a riot, wouldn't it have been Jesus? If there was anybody that had all the right in the world to say, Rome, you're wrong, it was Jesus. But he never did that. You know what Jesus focused on? The hearts of men and women. And when I read that, I think about that, I go, why? Because Jesus knew if you want to change society, if you want to change a home, if you want to change a family, if you want to change a relationship, it doesn't begin with outside circumstances. It begins with the heart. And that's where Jesus began. And so when we submit ourselves, we are basically reflecting Christ. We are showing people God's love, his mercy, and his grace. And so Peter starts out and says, listen, when, when, you're, when you have leadership over you like us, and come Wednesday, it's going to be different leadership, right? It's going to be different leadership. What should we do? What should our attitude be? Should it be one of rebellion? Should it be one of throwing the talent? Should it be one of despair and hopelessness? Absolutely not. Our attitude should be one, even if you've got a grip, to submit. Why? Because when we submit to authorities over us, in essence, we're submitting to the Lord. And also, we're walking in the footsteps of our Lord. See, when we submit to the authority over us, we are reflecting Christ in us. Did you hear that? Now, let's take it out of the government for a minute. That's true in your workplace. Right? Now, some of you are about to really get offended. Kids, that's your parents. Oh, did you have to go that way? Yes, I did. I did. I had to. That's your principal. Amen, Brad? That's your teachers. Amen, teachers? You're like, I don't know about that. I was just kind of going through it. I mean, the point is this, is that we are called, and when we submit to the authorities that are over us, that we've placed ourselves under, when we submit, we are reflecting Christ in us. 
But then Peter goes on, and he doesn't just tell us that our attitude should be one of submission and why we should submit. He tells us who we should submit to. Look in verse 13 and 14. Because to me, this is very, very powerful. He says, be subject or submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Read that with me. Every human institution. Which institutions? Every human institution. That really stinks, but it's true. Whether it be the emperor as supreme or king, either way, or a governor as one sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Now here's what Peter says. Here's who I want you to submit to. I know, I know you know that you need to submit. I know you know why you need to submit. But let me tell you who you need to submit to. You need to submit to every human institution. And then he labels two of them. He says the emperor who is supreme. Now does anybody know who the emperor might have been during the time of Peter when he wrote this? Any historians know? Nero. 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 Like, I don't, that, that didn't tell me squat. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Nero. Nero was labeled as the most violent, vicious, heinous emperor that Rome ever had. Nero hated Christians. Nero would slaughter Christians. In fact, let me tell you one thing Nero did. You can read the history books to find this out. Nero would take Christians and he would put them on a post and he would put tar over them and he would light them up. Not just to absolutely destroy and to kill them, which he did, but to light his garden. That's what he would do. Hey, it's dark out tonight. I need to light my garden so I can peruse through my garden, enjoy the beauty of my garden. How are we going to light it, Nero? I know. Get some Christians, put them on a pole, put some tar on them, and put them aflame. That's what he did. Nero, when Rome burnt, guess who he blamed? Christians. He didn't have anything to do with it. It was all the Christians. Why? Because he wanted people to hate the Christians as much as he did. In fact, most scholars, theologians, and historians will tell you that it was under the reign and rule of Nero that Peter, the one we're reading the words of, was crucified upside down on a cross and was martyred for his faith. Now, just to real quick put in perspective, it's that emperor that Peter's saying, submit to. Now, I think I would have to part company with Peter at that point, wouldn't you? I mean, you're like, look, we're facing persecution every day, and my best friend was just part of the, the candle opera in his garden. I mean, there's a problem with that. But Peter says, listen, I know you don't like it. I know you don't understand it. But remember, his ways aren't your ways. His thoughts aren't your thoughts. Here's what I want you to do when you don't understand. Submit to the authority over you. Submit. Voluntarily place yourself under them and pray for them and respect them and obey the laws and regulations they set before you. He says a king, an emperor. And then he mentions a governor. And the governor's job back in that time, like Pontius Pilate, was to punish those who did evil and to support those who did good. Now, why would Peter tell you the two? Because the emperor is viewed as the supreme being. He was like the man above everything else. And governors were in charge of regions. So he's kind of painting this picture that it's not just the top guy you have to submit to. It's all those in authority under him that are still over you. So let's put that in context. What this means for us. Do we submit to the president in the United States no matter who they are? <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm not saying it. I'm, I am not saying yes. <laughs> yes, you are. What does it mean? Do we have to submit to those that are in the Oval Office, no matter whether we voted for them or not. Do we have to submit to the President of the United States? Yes. 
a little bit more. Some of you are still not convinced. All right, that's all okay. What about the Supreme Court? And that's painful, isn't it? What about, what about congressmen, congresswomen? Do we have to submit to them? What about our state legislator? Do we have to, res- to submit to them? What about our state governor? Do we have to submit to them? What about our state police? Do we have to submit to them? What about our local police? Do we have to submit to them? What about our principals in our school? Do we submit to them? I didn't hear anything over here. Not one word over here. (laughs) Not one word. Yes. What about our teachers? Yes. What about our parents? Yes. And still nothing right over there. Nothing. Yes. The the point is this, is that that we are called by Peter, and he does a beautiful job of going, sometimes we just think in terms of the the, the emperor, Nero, he said, but listen, I want you to submit to all those in leadership that are over you at every level. Does that mean your boss at your work? Yes, it does. Now, I know what some of you are saying, well, Doug, you just don't understand. You work in a Christian environment, and you just don't get it, and you're right, I don't. But I do know this. That we will all have leaders over us that we just don't like. Can we say amen to that? We will all have laws that we don't want to obey. Like, I think it's stupid to drive 25 miles an hour down Dega Mount Maud Street. It's ridiculous. I mean, I I do not agree with that. I think it's the dumbest law ever, right? But it is a law. And we all have taxes. We sure don't want to pay. Amen? Amen? But at the end of the day, what would Peter tell us? Submit. 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 Submit to those in authority over you, willingly. That's tough. Now, let me just, let me kind of, we're going to wrap this up, but I want you to follow me for a minute. For some of us, that's kind of a disturbing thought. Some of us, we feel like we've been kind of robbed of choice and robbed of our freedoms and robbed of our independence. Well, let me just kind of, Peter does something amazing here. He kind of gives us a bottom line. I think he almost knew that people who read his letter would go, I'm struggling with that, Peter. You tell me to submit. You tell me to do it for God. I'm doing it on behalf of God and and I'm following the footsteps of God. I get that. You tell me who I need to submit to, Peter. I struggle with that because Nero's the emperor. You remember Nero, Peter? (laughs) He's killing Christians every day, all the time. I'm struggling with that, Peter. And so Peter kind of gives us a bottom line here in the next three verses. Listen to me. First of all, in verse 15, he kind of tells us one of the bottom lines. He says, for this is what? The will of God. Now, please look at me here. This is the will of God. In other words, this is what God desires. This is what pleases God. This is the will of God that we would submit to those in authority over us. In fact, what Peter's saying is that when you submit to those, you're doing good in the eyes of God. Look what he goes on to say. I find it interesting in verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should shut, you should uh, put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. In other words, he says, listen, when you submit, if you're struggling with submission, you just need to know this. This is the bottom line. It's the will of God. And if you will submit to those in authority over you, it will silence the critics and the foolish people. Now, here's why this is important in context. Peter's writing to Christians. 
And during the time that Peter's writing to these Christians that are being persecuted, Christians back in that day were known as being problematic. In fact, if you read the book of Acts, how many times you see Paul preaching the gospel and then he's in prison? Paul's preaching the gospel, now he's in jail. Paul's preaching, I mean, they were, Christians literally were viewed as the thorn in Rome's flesh. I mean, they were the ones always piercing in, always the one causing problems. Christians were just problematic. We've got to deal with Christians. And so what Peter says, listen, I want you not to be problematic from the standpoint of voicing your opinions. I want you to focus on the right thing, and that's living for Christ. So when people see you as believers, when they see you submitting to authority over you, they're focused on Christ in you, not the opinions coming out of you. Now, please hear me. If you want to change your work environment, let's say you have an ungodly, honorary boss, and we'll just stop the adjectives right there, all right? You have that kind of boss. If you want to see something happen, you submit to the authority. Because you know what? The worst thing could happen if you call yourself a Christian is your boss see you coming and go, oh, there's that person who goes to church every week and all they come in and do is they're negative, they're negative, they're negative. They complain, they complain, they complain. They rat out, they rat out, they rat out on people. I mean, they see you coming and they want to close the door and go to the bathroom because they don't want to talk to you because anything out of your mouth is just a negative opinion. How shameful is that if you're a Christian that that's what your boss might think of you? You want to change their art, here's what you do. You submit to their authority. Barring they tell you to do something immorally wrong, you submit to their authority. And when they see you coming now, and you come in with a gracious heart and a kind spirit, one to be part of the solution, not part of the problem, they're going to focus on Christ in you instead of the negativity that's been coming out of you. And so Paul says, listen, submission is the will of God. Then look at verse 16. He kind of gives us another bottom line here. He says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom to cover up evil, but living as a servant of God. In other words, submission brings freedom. Not freedom to condone sin, but here's what Peter's saying, that when you live under the freedom, uh, when you live under the, the, the idea of being submissive, where you're not barring the stress and the weight of, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen in our country, I, if, if she wins or he wins. I mean, listen, submission reminds us that God is in control. God has this. And I'm just going to submit to those in authority over me, and then I'm going to feel free and have the freedom to be what God wants me to be. You know what God wants you to be? Salt and light. You know what God wants you to do? Focus on the main thing, sharing the love of Christ. And that's what Peter's talking about. Submission brings freedom. Because when we have a heart to submit, we're saying, God, I know you got this. I know you're in control. And I'm going to submit to the authority. And I'm just going to be free, God, to serve you and to love on people without bearing the stress and anxiety of all that nonsense. And then he gives one more bottom line here. In verse 17, he says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. (laughs) I mean, it's a really interesting closing statement for Peter on this issue. It's really interesting how he kind of ties it up. But what we learn from that is not only is submission the will of God, not only submission bring freedom, but submission makes us more like Jesus. And here's what I mean. He says, first of all, honor everyone. I saw somebody, I won't mention their name, but they did, had an awesome post on Facebook either last night or this morning. And basically the post said something like this. I may totally disagree with you on political issues and who you vote for and why you vote for them, but at the end of the day, my job is I'm called to love you and I love you and we can function together and we can, we can coexist And I thought, that's awesome because you know what? There's some of you in the room who would totally disagree with me where I stand politically. That's why you haven't heard it for four weeks. But I hope we can still love each other. I respect you if you disagree with me. You may be wrong in my eyes, 
But I respect, in my eyes, not that means I'm right, I, I, I know, but I, res- I mean, I can still respect you. The problem is when people get in a disagreement and they're opposite sides and there's no respect anymore. And Peter goes, listen, when you're trying to submit to those in authority over you, you need to make sure you're honoring people, you're respecting other people. And then he says, love the brotherhood. Can I tell you, do you think this election has been divisive among Christian friends? Yes. Yes, I'm sure it has been. I've seen some of that even on Facebook with some of my friends. And, and what Peter says, is, I want you to love the brotherhood. I want you to love other believers. We need to get along in this thing. Because listen, what is the hope of the world? Is it the Democratic Party? Is it the Republican Party? The hope of the world is found in the message that the church has. And that hope is the good news of Jesus. And if we're fighting about stupid stuff, we're not focused on the main thing, which is the good news of Christ. He's like, come on, knock it off. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God, meaning, hey, don't forget, who's number one in this thing? Come on. I know you're freaked out about Nero. I know you're freaked out about Obama. I know you're freaked out about the next president. But at the end of the day, who's in control of all this stuff? God is. He's your first loyalty. He's your first priority. Don't forget that. You respect and you honor him first. And then he closes with this. Honor the emperor, which translate respect the leader. Now, I grew up in church, and I probably heard this more, and I probably said it, and I, now I apologize for saying it. I don't have to respect the person. I just have to respect the position. Anybody ever heard that before? We were wrong. <laughs> Peter says you're wrong. Now, do you have to like their policies or like their behavior or like their morality? Absolutely not. But there's a respect for There's going, you know what? I've not walked in their shoes. I've not sat in the Oval Office and have to make the decisions that they have to make. And so I can respect them. And if you go back to 1 Timothy 2.2, here's how I respect them. I pray for them. I pray that God gives them peace, that God gives them wisdom, that God gives direction, and that God impacts their heart. So Peter kind of closes this whole section by giving some bottom lines. If you want to push back on submission, you need to know this. Submission is the will of God. Submission will bring you freedom, and submission makes us more like Jesus. Did Jesus honor everyone? Yeah. Did Jesus love the brotherhood, even Judas, when Judas betrayed him? Yes. Did Jesus fear God? Oh, you better believe it. And he was God. Now that'll make your mind hurt, right? (laughs) And did Jesus honor the king? Yes. It makes us more like him. Now my prayer is very simple for us today. After this election's over, I pray when you sit in your home and you think whatever you want to think, that somewhere in your heart, you remember we have hope. God is in control. He reigns, he rules, even if you have to keep saying it over and over and over again to believe it. He reigns, he rules, he's in control. Listen, you don't have to understand it. We're not that smart. He's the creator of the universe. He is sovereign. We are finite and he is infinite. But we do have to come to that place where we go, I have hope. And I pray that after this election, you'll be able to say, I have hope. That you'll be able to say after this election that I have a continued role to pray for my country, to seek him, to humble myself, to turn from my sins because I want God, I don't care, I don't care who's in the office, I'm still gonna pray for God to heal our land because no matter who sits behind the, the desk in the Oval Office, we still need a country that's healed spiritually, right? And I'm still gonna pray for that. But it begins with me. And after this election, I hope we all realize not only we have hope and continued road, but we have a continued responsibility 
And after the selection's over, I pray that we would have in our hearts a heart to submit to those in authority over us. The government, our boss, our supervisor, our principal, our teachers, our police, and most important, our parents. Not just, I'm just kidding about the most important, but parents, all right? I hope you got that, all right? I pray that we'd have a heart that says, I, I voluntarily place myself under their leadership and will obey them, pray for them, and respect them. So here's my question today, very, very simple. Do you have a heart willing to submit? Do you have a heart today that's pushing back against what we're reading in Peter? Or do you have a heart that says, okay, I'm voluntarily gonna place myself under the leadership of those in authority, from the toppest of the president down to my supervisor, or my parents, or my boss, or whatever it is. Am I going to obey them? Am I going to pray for them? And am I going to respect them? Do you have that kind of heart when it comes to our country? Do you have that kind of heart when it comes to your boss? And do you have that kind of heart when it comes to your parents? Because if you don't have that kind of heart, you listen to this, if you don't have that kind of heart, chances are you probably don't have a heart to submit to God either. Right? So my prayer is that we'd ask ourselves, do we have that kind of heart? And if you don't, this morning, would you just pray and say, God, break me. Give me the kind of heart that is willing to submit to the authority over me, not to rebel, not to bite back, not to fight, not to do whatever, but to submit to them to the point where if they tell me something morally to do, that I, that I immoral, that I should not do, that I'm able to walk away from that. But until then, to submit to their authority. And God, would you give me that? Because at the end of the day, that is the will of God. That's what pleases God. And that's what reflects Christ. So if you're a Christian in the room, that's my prayer for you. My prayer is that you would ask God to give you a heart to submit. And if you or that person come in the room today, listen to me, that you say, man, I just came today because somebody invited me. They said there was like free coffee and, and, and just and great music and I'm just here today for that reason and I don't know Christ as my savior. Here's what I would say to you. What I've said today makes zero sense to you and that's okay. You're like, there's no way. Well, if you don't know Christ, you're not going to view it this way. In fact, if you know Christ, it's hard enough to view what Scripture says. But I would say this to you, if you don't know Christ, forget everything we've said up to this point. Because the most important submission you need to do is submitting to God as your, and Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. The one that we sang about a while ago, who loves you, who died for you, and no matter how messed up you are, never gives up on you. Never. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, would you just say, Lord, I trust you today. I submit and I surrender myself to you. And when you do that and you get into this, all this other stuff we talk about will begin to make some sense. So believers, a heart of submission. Those who don't know Christ, would you submit to him today? Would you stand with me? Everybody stand with me and we'll pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity. And I, and I know that even for me, as I read through this passage that Peter spoke, there's, there's so much in me that wants to go, well, what if, or, but no, but, uh, I, I, I mean, there's something in me that struggles with that. 
But God, I know that that's a reflection of my heart. And if I struggle in submitting to those in authority over me, then I'm obviously going to struggle submitting to your authority. So I pray today, God, for those of us that are believers, that we would ask the hard question today. Do we have a heart of submission? Do we have a heart willing to voluntarily place ourselves under the authority of those in charge of us and over us, our parents, our teachers, our principals, our law enforcement, our country, congressman, president, Supreme Court? Do we have a heart that's voluntarily willing to do that, to obey the laws they put before us, to respect them, but to pray for them? And if we don't have that heart today, Lord, I pray you would give it to us. I pray today that you would break us and you would challenge us and remind us that submission is your will. It's what pleases you. And it's what reflects Jesus in us. And I pray we'd get that today. And I pray for those who don't know you. I pray more than anything else, they would just trust Jesus today. They would say yes to him. So God, be with us today. May you speak to us only as you can. May you touch our hearts. May you break us where we are arrogant. But may you fill us back up with a heart to submit to you first and to other leaders that are in our lives. May we have a heart of submission today. For it's in your perfect and your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Before we sing, I want to say this to you. Before we, before we launch into a time of worship, if you're an elder, small group leader, if you just find your way to the sides of the room in the back, just to the sides in the back. If you're here today and you'd be honest enough to say, I struggle with submission. I struggle not wanting to push back against that. I'm going to ask you as we sing, and we're dealing with the idea that Jesus is the most important thing to us, that you might slip out that you might find one of these adults, these elders or small group leaders say, would you just pray for me? Pray that God would soften my spirit and my heart. Or maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. Would you just step out and say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. And one of these amazing individuals around this room would love to tell you about him. Do not not respond to him if God is working in your life this morning. Would you do what he asks you to do? Would you respond to his challenge before you today? Let's sing together and worship. And you respond as God moves. Baby.